It's really focusing on kind of the feeding relationship and the dynamic that we have with our kids. So in short, if we can approach feeding as something that's easy and light instead of something, you know, tense and that we're trying to manipulate, that really goes a long way in helping things down the road. It's not that we as parents ever cause picky eating, not at all. There are so, so many factors and we are one of them, but it's not really that we can cause it, but we can really help make sure that eating and feeding is something that's comfortable for our kids and that doesn't feel like something that they have to do or that we're really trying to manipulate. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for joining me each and every week as I welcome the most amazing guests in the pediatric health, development, feeding, sleep, and parenting space. I am so excited to welcome a new guest today. Remember to leave a review and share this podcast so we can continue to have more growth more people can learn about this show. Today's guest is Jennifer Friedman. She is a registered pediatric dietitian and picky eating expert and founder of Feeding Picky Eaters on Instagram. And that's her platform. And we are talking all about getting ahead of your child's picky eating. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jennifer. Well, thank you for having me. I am thrilled to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you and to discuss a very common topic and concern that every parent I feel like goes through at some point, picky eating. How can we get ahead of it? Is there a way to prevent it before it happens? Of course, we know that it's a very common phase that children go through, but I can't wait to hear your insights and discuss this because I also find it very important to have these conversations um, so that we know that we're not alone and that there are strategies that we can hopefully implement to see prevention and improvement. Yes, definitely. And I know this is Yeah, something everybody, even I am going through. So I'm really excited to talk about this today. And you are a mom as well, right? How old are your children? Yeah, I have a two-year-old and a two-month-old. Okay, so your two-month-old may not be so picky, I understand. But your (laughs) two-year-old probably is obviously developmentally going through that. So tell us more about yourself. I know you already mentioned that and I already introduced you. But tell us more about yourself and what brought you to actually start your platform, Feeding Picky Eaters as well. Of course. Yeah. So like you said, I am a registered dietitian. I'm a picky eating expert and I am a mom myself. I'm also an author of a book about my work called Stories of Extreme Picky Eating. And what got me here, it's really like my interest in food and many steps to come here. But Mm -hmm. when I initially went to school to become a dietitian, one of the things I was most interested in is how can we like raise a generation of kids? How can we raise kids who love to eat and who eat well? And many iterations of kind of my career brought me here full circle, realizing that there's a lot of things that stand in kids' way to prevent them from eating comfortably and eating, let's say, a well-rounded diet, a diverse diet. And so, you know, I love food. I, you know, there's so much in it, kind of that social aspect, the love aspect. And some kids can't, some people can't even eat in kind of day-to-day situations, food becomes very uncomfortable for them. So I created my platform to try to help kids and try to help their parents get ahead of that and, you know, fix that if that's what's happening for them. Oh, so important. And I do believe that there are things that we can do as parents. You know, there is an understanding that, of course, the child's desire or the child's kind of developmental ability or the fact that they're starting to become more picky is very common for them, but there are some strategies that we can implement so that we can hopefully, like you said, make this that 
food is something enjoyable that we're not like as adults. I know a lot of picky quote unquote adults that had to kind of be opened up a little bit more. I'm speaking about my husband included. Um, (laughs) And so it's just a really important thing and also just having a good relationship with food. So I think that is so important. And what would you say starting off are three simple things that parents can do or we can do to prevent picky eating from starting? Yeah, definitely. So I love this. And one of the most important things that we can do, it kind of sounds a little bit woo-woo, but it's really focusing on kind of the feeding relationship and the dynamic that we have with our kids. So in short, if we can Mm -hmm. approach feeding as something that's easy and light instead of something, you know, tense and that we're trying to manipulate, that really goes a long way in Mm -hmm. helping things down the road. It's not that we as parents ever cause picky eating, not at all. There's so, so many factors and we are one of them, but it's not really that we can cause it, but we can really help make sure that eating and feeding is something that's comfortable for our kids. And that doesn't feel like something that they have to do or that we're really trying to manipulate. So that's one of the biggest things that I see is sort of just have a comfortable, respectful feeding relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be hard for so many parents because they themselves may have not have been raised with that, right? Like it's such a cycle. Definitely. Like I mean, yes. <laughs> I use my husband as an example because again, he was, he's gotten so much better, very selective. And there is that sort of how I was treated as a kid comes out in the dinner tables when I'm a parent. So I agree with you. It's not like a, we're causing this, but it's so important as parents that we have insight into, okay, I may not be causing this because it's developmentally normal, but am I doing anything that could be making this a longer phase or, you know, making this prolonged or what can I do to maybe guide my child? So I love it. I don't think that's putting fault at the parent at all. I'm a parent too. I recognize when I'm pushing too much and I need to step back. So I think it's just insight that is so helpful for parents to hear. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's a biggie and definitely a work in progress because it's so different than, you know, the clean plate club we were raised with. Oh my gosh. So much of us. It's crazy. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, totally. So it's different, but it makes a big difference. It makes it easier for everybody and more enjoyable. And that's really what it comes down to when it feels good, then it, you know, it's a lot easier for everybody. So that's a one big thing. We can also work on really just exposure, 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 making sure that we are offering them a variety of foods from the very beginning. And even when we start to see maybe some of their selectivity come out, it's important not to close any doors. You know, I see many, many parents and again, myself included, you know, they're like, oh, they didn't eat that. They didn't eat that three Mm -hmm. times. I'm just going to stop. They don't like it. So what we want to really do is continue to offer that variety and With this, there's so much that we can do. We can eat these foods in front of them. We can model what we want to see. We can eat them with them. And that is really so important to just keep the door open and sort of show them what we not expect, but show them what's possible and show them what we can do. We know that our kids are always watching us and listening to us and wanting to do what we're doing. Mm -hmm. So giving them the opportunity to meet these foods and then showing them how it's done goes a long way. Absolutely. I love it. So important in all aspects of parenting. Yes, Mm -hmm. indeed. Um, And then I would say one of the final things, and of course, there's so many things, but one of the other big things that we can do is just try to, and it goes kind of hand in hand with that one, but it's getting out of like a rut with food. Mm -hmm. I think we very often we're like, okay, you know, I serve this sandwich this way, and this is the way that I know that they eat it. So I'm just going to keep serving it this way. And we just get into these routines. And over time, we start to realize, oh my God, like we're serving just the same stuff the same way. And this is all they eat, you know, and uh oh, they can't have that 
noodle if we go out, you know, to the restaurant because it's a different shape. So we mm-hmm. want to just continue to introduce variety. And that goes a long way in kind of flexing this flexibility muscle for our kids with eating. So those are some of the biggies. And with that, I want to just go back to kind of that feeding dynamic. And when we aren't pressuring our kids, when we're giving them opportunities to engage, to meet these foods at the table, maybe even outside of the table, bring them into the kitchen with us, or, you know, just really making it fun and easy and giving them the opportunity to meet a variety of foods in a variety of different ways that can help them feel good with food. Oh, I love it. And you talked about that feeling stuck. I think every parent listening can feel that maybe for themselves and also even just for their children. What would be some ways to get unstuck when you're in that menu rut and why that variety is important to preventing and improving picky eating? Yeah, definitely. So this is key. So even when we're in this menu rut, you can mm-hmm. think about, you know, sure, there's go on Pinterest, whatever, go on Instagram, you can find all of these ideas, but you still want to stick to things that are working for you. And you don't have to use all of these crazy ideas that you're seeing out there. You just want to be sticking to the foods that you know and like and making changes to them. So thinking about some of the families who I work with, I have them kind of create, you know, and you don't have to be this strategic about it sort of, but you can create a list of like the always foods that your kids eat, the sometimes Mm -hmm. foods and the foods that they don't tend to eat that maybe you'd like to work on kind of this like yellow, green and red list of foods like a stoplight. And from there, you can think about bringing in rotation. And if you have enough foods, then every single day you can rotate those foods and try to avoid serving the same thing, you know, two days in a row or back to back or over multiple meals. If you don't want to be that strategic, that's fine. If you don't have that volume of foods for your child, that's fine. You can think about just making small changes to the foods that your child is already eating. So thinking about changing the shape. So maybe it's how you're cutting that sandwich or offering the different shape of pasta. Maybe it's the colors. You're offering different color cheeses on the grilled cheese or the macaroni and cheese or different shapes of chicken nuggets, different brands of chicken nuggets, maybe a different temperature of food can also affect something too. So you just want to kind of make these changes it can be adding different seasonings, different preparations, a steamed broccoli, a roasted broccoli. And all of that is sort of enough to help keep your menu a little bit spicy, we'll say, and yeah, exciting, yeah. and bring up that variety that's so important to both prevent and improve. As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents, teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood explains.
Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep No Mess meals. Chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. I absolutely love the spicy jalapeno, lime cheddar chicken, and mushroom chicken thighs with wild rice keep kitchen time to a minimum with factor meals because they're ready in two minutes no shopping prepping cooking or cleanup i work from home and love the convenience and how delicious factor meals are head to factormeals.com slash pedsdoctalk50 and use code pedsdoctalk50 to get 50 percent off your first box plus 20 percent off your next box that's code pedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash pedsdoctalk50 to get 50 percent off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. I think about this as a muscle a lot of time. You know, if we are introducing the variety of foods and kind of flexing their ability to be a flexible eater and, and growing that muscle by giving them these opportunities, then they're going to be more flexible. If we are serving the same things over and over, if we're catering to their needs, if we're letting them dictate, if we're scared yeah. to introduce new foods, then, you know, like it's a muscle. If we don't use it, we're going to lose it. So we always want to try to change things up a little bit. Well, I love what you're talking about there. And also what you talked about when we talked about the three simple things to prevent picky eating, because a lot of it is mindset and how we're approaching picky eating, right? (laughs) So much of it is, and that's what we talked about is like the nature of parenting in general, like getting out of that rut. How do we talk to ourselves through this phase that our children may go through or preventing it in the first place? How would you say parent can let go of expectations and how can they start enjoying this process? So they're not so stressed with the, okay, I have to do this and I have to do this, especially if they have a picky eater. Yeah, it is really, really tough. And like, Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking back to, you know, our (laughs) meals, like, you know, I kind of did quote unquote the wrong thing this weekend, or I stopped myself, but like I made this meal for our family. My son had a big meltdown and I'm sitting there thinking like, oh my God, I worked so long cooking this. We were supposed to have a nice dinner. And it's like, does it feel like that's how it always goes? I feel like anytime always. you spend the inverse relationship yes. between how long yes. you spend in the kitchen versus if they're going to eat it, I'm like, wow, oh like, God, 100%. Yeah, 100%. It's so, it's so true. I think everyone can relate to yeah. that. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's part of it because when we have these expectations that it's going to be amazing, that mm-hmm. it's going to be this, that, oh my God, they're going to love that. We're, you know, it's not that, oh, you're going to be let down. Don't have yeah. expectations. But we can go into it sort of without putting that pressure or that expectation on it then. We're more likely to be surprised, more likely to be pleased and less likely to be disappointed and then less likely to try to push and make something happen. So 
I think our expectations play a really big thing in it. And we, you know, you can't put any too great, uh, you know, value on any one food or one strategy or something like that. You're really in this for the long haul. No single food, you know, is going to be like the magic food. No single meal, no single strategy is really going to, you know, any one time make or break anything. You know, we're really in this for the long haul. It's, you know, a marathon, not a sprint. And the way that I think beyond kind of managing our expectations and thinking that everything is going to be like Pinterest, beautiful fairy tale, Mm -hmm. sometimes it might be, but more often than not, you know, I'd rather that we're pleasantly surprised, but we can think about kind of staying in our lane when it comes to eating. And this is really a way that we can help everybody start to enjoy mealtimes more. There's so many things that we can do, but really getting down to not overstepping our boundaries. And so this is something that is called the division of responsibility. I did Mm -hmm. not make it, but it's something, you know, many parents and feeding experts love to use. And it's that we as parents cannot control what our kids are eating or how much they're eating or if they're eating. We provide the food. So in that way, we do control the what. We should always have something that they feel comfortable eating at a mealtime. But we can't control if they're eating something or how much. And the more that we try to make that happen, the more it backfires, the less Mm -hmm. we enjoy the meal, the less our kids enjoy the meal. And that's really the source of a lot of tension. So it's really our job to provide the food and set the structure around the mealtime, when and where it's happening. And then we just have to let go and model, you know, and when there is like kind of the right structure in place, our kids will do the right thing. But the more that we kind of try to make it happen, try to get them to eat, the less they want to. I love it. I tell families in my office that when it comes to the GI system, you can't control what you're putting (laughs) in in and can't control what you're putting out. Like just speaking of potty training, it's very similar to eating, right? That if you're forcing your child onto that potty, it's going to backfire. You're going to deal with power struggles similar to this, what you're describing, right? Like trying to Mm -hmm. force your child and it's that power struggle, right? And power struggles like that anger, that yelling threats, the come on, just eat it. And that, again, I agree with you, Jennifer, that comes back so much to how we're approaching it in terms of just understanding, okay, I want this so bad for my kid, but I just need Mm. to let go of that expectation and just kind of let go of control. I get it. We love our kids so much. We want them to do this and do that. But like, sometimes that backfires absolutely with the expectations and forcing and just sense it. I mean, you have a two-year-old. They really do. Oh man. If I get like pushy or if I get like irritable, like if my son is very in tune and he's like, Oh, mommy got irritable. Like this is something that gets her excited. So we definitely want to control. It's so hard. I agree. I'm a mom too. We we both are. And it feels like it's our job to get our kids to eat you know and like I've got this new baby here and it's my job to make sure that he's eating you know but at some point like you know and even for him I can't force like you know I've tried like you know know. he's very we have to respect when they say yes or no so it does feel like it's our job but it's really our job to provide the food to provide the structure we cannot control as you said what's going down it is really really hard but I find that when we let go that's really like where, you know, and this sounds so fairy tale, but like that's where the magic happens. Like mm-hmm. on this family meal where I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this. You're ruining it. We all recovered, sat down. And like my son initiated trying things like was serving himself from the platter because he wanted yeah. to do what we were doing. He was doing just all of these like amazing things, like tried a new vegetable just because I was just like, all right, whatever happens, happens. We're just going to have dinner. We just got to get through it. Like, let's just be here and enjoy it. And when we could take that deep breath and kind of all feel good, we all felt good and good things happened. Oh, I love it. And um, what would you say 
parents can do if they first notice signs of picky eating? What are some things that strategies if they're starting to see that start to happen? Yeah. So the first thing is do not freak out. As you said, this is super, super normal. It is like a developmental phase. It's happening for a reason. So do Mm -hmm. not freak out because as we've been talking about, the more that we try to intervene, the more nervous we are, the more stressed we are, the less we're going to save them. Our kid is stressed, our kid is nervous, you know, and we don't want to really give into kind of their whims too much too. We don't want to cater here. So this goes back to thinking about offering variety, continuing to expose them to new foods. I think we all do this where we like give in a little bit and a little bit. And sometimes we can give in too far. And before we know it, kind of something crazy is happening. (laughs) We're like, we are in too deep at this. So continue to offer that variety, even if they're not eating, try not to freak out, try to relax, continue to stay in your lane when it comes to eating. You're not pushing them to eat something hopefully show up to the table feeling calm and good, eat with your kid. So you're modeling so you can have these positive experiences and get them involved in any way possible. So kids do really well with food when they start to, you know, when they can meet it sometimes away from the table or get to know it in a situation where there's no expectation that they're eating. So bring them into the kitchen, bring them grocery shopping, you know, bring it into play like, oh, our bunny's eating the celery or, Mm -hmm. you know, like this little dinosaur chicken nugget is coming into our, you know, Lego volcano, whatever (laughs) it is. Just make it fun and give them opportunities to have that positive relationship, continuing to expose them to new things, different things, and just don't give up. Don't be that parent who, um, as we've all been there, just stop feeding your kid cauliflower because they said no. Just keep at it. Keep calm. And carry and on. <laughs> yeah. Carry on. Yeah. And you'll get there. Yeah. You mentioned that in the we'll three simple it. things. Yeah. The three simple things at the beginning in terms of um, don't stop. Like, obviously I get the parental mindset of, well, they don't yeah. like it. So I'm yeah. not going to give it, but it's like, no, no, I promise yeah. you, like, they just need to see it. And they also, like you said, they need to be around it outside yeah. of the dinner table, like maybe at the grocery store or in the kitchen or seeing you enjoy it. Right. And not be stressed totally. about it. Oh my yeah. gosh. Like the amount yeah. of times I'm sure with your two-year-old, like you're eating, I'm eating something that my son was like, I don't want it. And I'm like, okay, so mommy and daddy yeah. are going to eat it. And we're enjoying this. Oh my gosh. It's so good. And he's like, I want, I want like, and, starts mm-hmm. to, and you know, starts to grab it from your plate it's and you're wild. like, oh, oh, you want yeah. this? Oh, sure. If you want it, like, like, you yeah. cool, you know, it's funny. Yeah, I totally. Kids. I know. I know all yeah. the playing cool but like I have seen that happen so many times where I don't even offer him something because I assume he's not going to want it Mm -hmm. or I'm like chopping something while he's eating dinner and just because I'm not offering it he's like what's that can I have that I want that and it's like yeah go ahead have this raw kale that I'm cutting like go for (laughs) it (laughs) so it all adds up and there are so many different things that you can do but What I like about those situations is we're not trying. You're not trying to make it happen. You're sort of modeling. The opportunity is there. And when it comes from them, you know, that it makes a big difference versus us saying, why don't you try that broccoli to have them say instead, like, I want that, you know, come on. Give me. <laughs> oh, I love it. And my last question for you is, I mean, we can talk about this all day, but what are some factors that can increase and decrease the likelihood of picky eating? And also we talked about this already. We'll talk about the factors, but also why, you know, you said this already, why it's not necessarily our fault. Yeah. So picky eating is like increased selectivity that we tend to see. It's developmentally normal. There's so much going on in our toddlers and it's something that we just tend to see in this tricky period. 
So in that sense, it's nothing that we are doing. It's something that our kids are naturally doing. It's Mm -hmm. a good thing. But we do see that some kids maybe struggle more than others. And some of that could be potentially how we are responding as parents. And some of it can be things that are going on inside of their body. So some kids are just more kind of sensitive kids. They're maybe more sensitive to textures and tastes. And that becomes increasingly challenging as there are other changes going on in their body at this time. So Mm -hmm. if your child is sort of kind of one of these sensory sensitive kids, that is certainly a factor that we can see increase the likelihood that they will be picky or the kind of severity of their pickiness. Some kids who have like a bad eating experience in the past, maybe it's a history of reflux or allergies or just getting sick sometime. All of these can contribute to kind of this, again, increased selectivity that we see. Kids who are just anxious kids. I see a lot Mm -hmm. of kids who focus their anxiety on the food. So that can definitely increase it as well. And sort of like that controlling personality as well. Just a lot of parents are like, I have a stubborn, stubborn kid. So if we get into power struggles with our kids around the food and they are one of those strong-willed kiddos, we can see that power struggle happening more and more over food. We also do see an increased selectivity with food with kids on the autism spectrum. So that mm-hmm. is a big like potential say, risk factor, I guess, as well. GI struggles. So there's so many things that can go into it. And as you can see, a lot of them are not the things that we're doing. Those can all increase the risk that they will be picky. So keep an eye out for those. And if you know that that's your kid, it's just more and more reason to try to work on the things that we've spoken about already. Oh, so important. And I love how you break it down with all the other medical and behavioral things that happen, because even if that's not happening, we know that this, like you said, it's very common for them to go through this phase of selectiveness, preferences, wanting to assert their authority and autonomy and desires. It's all very (laughs) natural. Jenny, this was such a great conversation. Is there a final message that you have for all of our parents who are listening today? Yeah, you know, it is hard to sum it mm-hmm. up in in just one thing. But I think know that it is not your fault. Know that it is most yeah. likely a phase that will pass. It's challenging. Remember that you are in this for the long haul. So don't be discouraged if you offer something, if you try something and it doesn't work. And remember to just try to be there with your kid and have this be an enjoyable thing. When we show up to the table, you know, figuratively and literally and figuratively in a good headspace, our kids are going to feel that things are more likely to go better. So try to make eating something positive, something that you do together, role model with your kids, create opportunities for them to have fun, you know, hands-on exposures with foods and take that deep breath and hope for the best. Yes. And you just did that for me. And I love that. It's so important. (laughs) Well, Jenny, where can everyone find you? Obviously I already mentioned your Instagram handle, but find you your resources and anything else that you wanted to add. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much. So Instagram is the best place. It's at Feeding Picky Eaters. And there you can get links to my website and my book, Stories of Extreme Picky Eating. I have a free training and some, you know, classes, downloads, programs, coaching, all of that that you can find there or at my website, feedingpickyeaters.com. Perfect. And I will be linking all of that to the show notes that you can stay in touch with Jenny and all of her information. And thank you again for coming on the show today. Thank you so much. This was wonderful. And for all of you listening, I'm sure you got some amazing information from our conversation. I love chatting about picky eating and all things parenting. If you love this episode, make sure you leave a review and call out Jenny Friedman for her amazing advice and insight by calling her out on the review that you leave. And the reviews help the podcast continue to grow. And I cannot wait to invite another guest next week to chat. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. As always, please leave a review. 
share this episode with a friend, share it on your social media. Make sure to follow me at Pete's Doc Talk on Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Pete's Doc Talk TV. We'll talk to you soon. Are you tired of searching Google and ending up in a rabbit hole at 2 a.m. thinking that you're ruining your kid? Stop and visit pedsdoctalk.com. My website is your new Google with a search feature to search all content that I have that is free or available by purchase. And let me tell you, there are a lot of free goodies there, like free printable PDFs for how to handle a choking incident to milestones to monitor in your kid. My website provides information regarding the health and development of your child, including parenting and sleep. My goal is that you stop those middle-of-the-night searches that lead you nowhere but into the land of anxiety. My goal is to guide you to be the confident and calm parent I know that you are. Make sure to visit pedsdoctalk.com and use the magnifying glass to search. Want even more? Make sure to sign up for our newsletter by visiting pedsdoctalk.com newsletter, where you can get the latest and greatest in child health news and parenting tips delivered directly to your inbox. That's pedsdoctalk.com newsletter.